With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to episode 165 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Good to be back at work then? Yeah, I know just what you mean. Today's story from the Midlands is one that's impossible to understand, I think. Where so much kindness was shown to an individual and their response was, well, just not what you would ever expect. A huge thank you to listener Stuart Henry for researching and writing this episode. If you haven't bought your ticket yet to see me and Mike from the excellent Murder Mile podcast talk serial killers in London on Thursday the 30th of January, get them today. Just head to uktruecrime.com and I look forward to seeing you there and for drinks afterwards. I'm delighted that this episode is sponsored by Skillshare. As someone whose day job is in HR, I can really appreciate Skillshare. It's an online learning community where millions come together to take the next steps in their creative journey, with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people on topics including illustration, design, photography, video freelancing and so much more. I get that money is tight for all of us in January, but Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to those pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month, And there is something there for everyone to make you more creative. For example, the last course I took was on taking professional photos on my iPhone as I was sick of taking such rubbish pictures. It's a great course. Take it today. Skillshare is a proud sponsor of the UK True Crime podcast. Explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash true crime and get two free months of premium membership. That's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. Get started and join today by heading to skillshare.com forward slash true crime. That's skillshare.com forward slash true crime. As always, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, especially this week's new supporters. That's Jennifer Henderson, Julie Tunbridge and Ridian Thomas. I really appreciate all your support and I hope you enjoy the 30 plus bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Let's take a quick look at the music we were listening to at the key date for today's story, the 30th of March 2017. Ed Sheeran with Shape of You topped the UK and US charts. In the Australian album charts, number one was, yep, and again. So in summary, it seems that we were all listening to Ed Sheeran. In the news this month, Malta's famous landmark, the Azure Window, collapsed into the sea after a storm. The world's oldest golf club in Moyfield in Scotland voted to admit women as members for the first time in 273 years. Just to clarify that shockingly the year is 2017. 2017 and they're only just allowing women members. Goodness gracious. And Cyclone Debbie struck the northeast Queensland coast as a Category 4 storm. 
The United Kingdom implemented Article 50 of the Treaty on European Union, beginning the formal EU withdrawal process. And in UK true crime news, four people were killed and at least 40 others were injured in a terrorist attack in London when a car driver, later identified as Khalid Masood, plowed through pedestrians on Westminster Bridge before stabbing PC Keith Palmer to death at the Palace of Westminster. Police later shot Masood dead. Aaron Bailey was born in 1994 into a life of chaos and disorder. He was born through incest. His parents were uncle and niece. His dad was 19 years older than his mum and died of cancer when he was four and his mum died of a heart attack just about two years later. So by the age of six he was an orphan. What a rough start to his life. The remainder of his childhood was very difficult being spent with other family members and in numerous homes with foster carers around the West Midlands area. It was of course a very unsettled time for him and former carers described him as a Jekyll and Hyde type character who could be caring, lovely and sensitive one minute but then he could quickly change to reveal a darker, much more threatening side to his character. His time in care was filled with trouble. At the age of 11, he had to leave a children's home in Worcestershire after violent attacks on other children and for stealing a staff member's car. Age 12, he wrote up a hit list of people he wanted to kill. He had also posted his dream of, I quote, chopping people up on Facebook. At the age of 13, he was the subject of a media police appeal when he went missing in Bromsgrove. And six years later, aged 18, he spent three years in the slammer after he attacked an ex-girlfriend with a length of wood. He became a teenage parent, fellow pupils at Hunters Hill Technology College in Bromsgrove, Worcestershire, knew him as popular, but also a really cocky guy. His education was patchy, and after leaving school he drifted from address to address and job to job around the West Midlands. In the following years he managed to pick up over 20 convictions for a huge variety of offences, including assault on a former partner and burglary. He developed a pretty serious drug addiction and ended up living on the streets. Have you been to Stourbridge? It's a market town in the West Midlands, 13 miles west of Birmingham. In 2016, Aaron was sleeping rough outside a Tesco supermarket in the town when a chance encounter would gift him a second chance in life. Tracy Wilkinson was a former ballroom dancing champion and full-time mum to two children. Church-going Tracy was kind-hearted and did voluntary work supporting older people and also volunteered at a rehab centre where she'd overcome her own addiction to alcohol. Tracy spotted 22-year-old Barley while shopping. The sight of Barley, hungry and struggling to keep warm under a cardboard box, compelled Tracy to help. I'm sure that at some point you've given money to a homeless person. You've bought them food or even a drink or stopped to talk for five minutes. But that wasn't enough for Tracy. She wanted to do so much more. She drove him to the offices of the council and helped him secure a place in a hostel to put a roof over his head. Tracy invited him into her own home where she fed him and introduced him to her family, her husband Peter and children Lydia and Pierce. Tracy went on to organise breakfast and dinner for him every day. Aaron was of course super grateful 
and told Tracy repeatedly, I just need someone to give me a chance. I need somebody to give me a lucky break. Well, in the Wilkinson family, he certainly found people willing to give him that chance. Tracy's husband Peter even gave him a job as a labourer at a building business he ran. The Wilkinsons provided a home, daily meals, employment, a mobile phone and arranged for him to attend an alcohol and drug rehabilitation centre. For the first time in his life, things were going well for Aaron. This was the lucky break he had craved all along and had been gifted through the kindness of strangers. But unfortunately, this is no fairy tale of a happy ending to start 2020. As you will know, if you've had any involvement with drugs, kicking the habit isn't easy at all. And things started going wrong again for Aaron as he once more started taking drugs. At his new job, managers started seeing changes in his behaviour and began reporting his aggressive behaviour towards them and also that he was being erratic and failing to turn up for work on time or regularly. He was still given numerous chances to turn his attitude and his behaviour around and the company bent over backwards to support him. But eventually the company reached a stage where his chances had run out and they were forced to let him go. This changed everything and Aaron left the Wilkinsons home. They totally lost contact with him after he was dismissed. But a few weeks later, Peter woke up to a slightly shocking sight. He found Aaron curled up sleeping on their driveway. But once more the family showed great kindness and they decided to help him, feeding him and finding him council accommodation. Their relationship improved and Aaron again became a regular visitor at the family's home, doing odd jobs in return for food and cash. He even joined the family on Christmas Day. There was genuine affection in the relationship too. For example, Aaron sent a card to Tracy that said, to the mother that I never had. By February 2017, he had secured a new job, this time as a furniture polisher. But before long, he was sacked again. He claimed he was taking drugs and he really just couldn't be bothered to go to work every day. The cycle of self-destruction was repeating itself. How could he break this pattern? But things started to decline further and became even more serious as volunteers at the rehab centre reported him being obsessed with weapons, in particular knives. He told them he wanted to kill someone with a knife, with his two aims in life being to kill a policeman and a prison officer. His remarks weren't taken seriously and dismissed as bravado caused by his continuing drug abuse. But Aaron was reported to police after his former foster carer became concerned about messages he was posting on Facebook. Eileen Adams contacted West Midlands Police from her home in Australia because she was so worried by his posts. These included, Now I have nothing to lose, you're all going to pay for it. Got to get some help before I go on a killing spree. And don't fuck with me, I'm unstable. In March 2017, a year after he first met Tracy sleeping in a cardboard box, Aaron returned to the family home of the Wilkinsons in Stourbridge, like he had done so many times before. But this was different, very different. This time it was past midnight and he wore a balaclava and was clad entirely in black, even covering his bright yellow trainers in black socks. 
He tried to gain access to the house through the back door, but it was locked. So he retreated to the garden shed and hid there all night until the next morning. Aaron quietly lay in wait, knowing what he needed to do. At around 6.40am, he watched as Peter exited the back door to take the family dog for its morning walk, something he did every morning. Aaron knew this was his opportunity and he entered the family home. He took a knife from the kitchen he'd been in so many times before and made his way quietly upstairs. He walked into the main bedroom where Tracy lay in bed and Aaron Barley stabbed Tracy over a dozen times. He then made his way across the hallway to her 13-year-old son Pierce's bedroom where he also repeatedly stabbed him. To give you just an indication of the ferocity of the attack, one of the blows was so savage it almost divided his spinal cord. Barley then returned downstairs and coolly waited in the home for Peter to return from walking the dog. When Peter came in, Barley hid in the kitchen. And as Peter approached the kitchen, he thought it was strange that his wife had not left him a cup of tea on the counter as she did every morning. But before Peter had a chance to check on his wife, Barley jumped out from his hiding place, holding a knife above him and stabbed Peter. Barley shouted, Die, you bastard! Whilst being stabbed, Peter pleaded, Aaron, we tried to help you! Barley then stabbed him again, screaming, Die, you bastard! After stabbing Peter six times, twice in the face, twice in the abdomen, and twice in the back, Barley left him for dead and stole his Land Rover from the driveway and fled. Peter managed to dial 999 and staggered into the garden, collapsing onto a patio chair. Peter was found shortly afterwards by emergency services in the garden, with facial lacerations and deep stab wounds. Tragically, his 15-year-old wife Tracy was pronounced dead at the scene, whilst 13-year-old Pierce died later after being taken to hospital. That morning, Peter had got up as always just before 7am and took their greyhound Mandy for a walk. He'd asked Pierce to join him, but the teenager decided to stay put, saying he would go with him the next day. Sadly, of course, that walk would never happen. Barley appeared to drive aimlessly around the area before being pursued by police. He began swerving onto the opposite side of the road, forcing cars onto the pavement to avoid a head-on collision. He then mounted the pavement before finally crashing into a wall and was then arrested, just 30 minutes after the stabbings. Fortunately, Tracy and Peter's 18-year-old daughter Lydia was away at university in Bristol at the time, so escaped the attack. Lydia's boyfriend told her there had been stabbings in her hometown, so Lydia typed Stabridge stabbings into Google and clicked on the first link. It showed a photo of her house with police tape around it. The world stood still. Then Lydia rang her boyfriend back saying, It's me, it's us, they've been stabbed. Lydia went into her friend's room where she called the police. Her friend took her phone while they waited for officers to arrive, who then drove her back home to Stavridge. Lydia was told the shocking news that her mother and brother were dead. She later had to identify their bodies. Her dad Peter spent six days in intensive care, but he survived. When he regained consciousness, he was told the terrible news that his wife and his son had been killed. Poignant tributes were paid to Tracy and Pierce. 
A minute's applause was held in their memory at the Hawthorns, where the family had season tickets ahead of West Bromwich Albion's fixture against Liverpool. Peter said his wife had been a fantastic mum and a compassionate, kind person. She was just beautiful. She was our angel. Lydia had been planning to return to Stabridge and to collect Pierce from school the day after the killings. She said, I still can't believe that I'll never see him again or pick him up from school on that Friday like I promised to do. He was just so bubbly and full of life, and he really did light up a room of his mannerisms and impressions. The funeral was, as you can imagine, a terribly sad affair, when Tracy and Pierce were buried together in a single white coffin. Barley's motive for the killings remains a mystery. He was uncooperative while in custody, and in interviews gave detectives no reason for the horrific attack. One possible reason for the violence was that the Wilkinsons decided to end his mobile phone contract a week before the attack happened. Sounds minor, but that's probably the best guess. Peter said, There's no motive, there is no explanation. My personal feelings that he lost his job, he lost his flat, and he decided that because his life was going bad ways, he was going to take it out on the people that had cared and looked after him. I wish we'd never met him. I wish my wife had never set eyes on him. And it was strange because just weeks before the stabbings, Peter had met Barley where they had a curry, a couple of bottles of beer. Peter said, I dropped him off back at his flat that night and that was it for about three weeks. The next time I saw him, he was sticking a knife into my shoulder. Barley has shown no remorse for his crimes. His only regret, he told police, was that he didn't succeed in killing Peeper. He told police, I chopped them up, it was a fucking mess. I killed them and I'm glad I did it. I'm pleased that I got two, but I'm upset that I did not get him. There were three in the house and two did not walk out. I should have stayed and finished him off. I thought it was done. When he appeared in court after the stabbings, he was flanked by three officers in full riot gear as the charming chap tried to bite and punch police whilst he was in custody. Barley's trial at Birmingham Crown Court was expected to last three weeks, but on the day it was due to start, he changed his plea to guilty. His psychiatric reports failed to provide him with the possible defence of diminished responsibility, and following his guilty plea, chilling CCTV footage of the build-up of the killings was released by West Midlands Police. Take a look, search for it online. The footage shows Barley crawling on all fours across the garden whilst hiding from the family before entering the property once Peter left to walk the dog. And of course, just moments later, Tracy and Pierce would be dead. In October 2017, Barley was sentenced to life with a minimum of 30 years in jail for the double murder of Tracy and Pierce and the attempted murder of Peter. Addressing the killer as he stood in the dock, Lydia said, My parents helped you. You repaid them with destruction and heartache. You've obliterated my life, murdered half my family, very nearly all of it, and for this, I will never forgive you. The judge told 24-year-old Barley, You abuse your knowledge of the family home, which you had only gained through the Wilkinsons' extraordinary kindness and generosity to you. Mrs Wilkinson and Pierce, only 13, were in bed at home, where they were entitled to feel 
and should have been safe. You have shown no remorse. Indeed, you only regret that Mr Wilkinson survived his injuries. And at times you have showed satisfaction in what you did achieve. You knew that you were destroying the family. It's what you intended. Your conduct involved a very significant degree of planning and premeditation, at least so far as the attack on Mr Wilkinson was concerned. You broke into the grounds of the house in the very early hours. You emerged from the garden in black disguise, even covering your coloured trainers with black socks. He added, The Wilkinson family, and in particular Mrs Wilkinson, had done nothing but their best to help you. Mr and Mrs Wilkinson were both financially and emotionally generous to you. You betrayed their trust in every way. The judge also spoke about 19-year-old Lydia, who was a shell of her former self, adding that she suffers anxiety attacks and cannot now be left alone. Peter stated that his wife Tracy was a real good Samaritan and an inspirational person who was literally killed for her kindness. I will feel guilty for the rest of my life for letting this man get so close to my family. As a father and a husband, it's your duty to protect them. And Lydia described her mum as a stunning woman with a beautiful personality. To have my best friend taken from me in life at such a young age is a hardship I would never wish on anyone, she said. Because it has to be the most awful experience, especially when something happens. I can't ring her up anymore. And she said her brother was handsome, funny, clever and made friends with everyone around him. My mum and brother were just the iconic mother-son relationship, she said. In December 2017, the Court of Appeal increased Barley's 30-year sentence as it was seen as insufficient and unduly lenient. He will now serve a minimum of 34 years and 178 days before being considered for parole. Following the case attempting to rebuild their lives, Lydia continued her university studies and then moved back with Peter to the family home. Peter was quoted as saying that he was on the mend after having almost a 100 stitches throughout his body. He said, it will take some time, but obviously the emotional pain will take forever. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Just so shocking, isn't it? As for Barley, I think that despite his difficult start in life, it's hard to feel even an ounce of sympathy for this person. And frankly, let's hope he spends the rest of his days behind bars. I do wonder how his child will feel about his father when he gets older, and if they will even be told who their dad really is. But you know, I don't want to talk about him anymore. The whole attack was just so unfair, when a family was trying to do so much good, and yet ended up suffering such unimaginable horror. We can only wish Peter, Lydia, and other friends and family well for the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this story or any other aspect of true crime, please head over to the Facebook group where there are now almost 5,000 of us. And to support the show, why not join me on Patreon for over 30 bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You know it makes sense. That's patreon.com slash UK True Crime. So that's all for me for this week. Thank you all so much for your caring messages about my adored Dalmatian Cooper, which have been so much appreciated. I'm just about returning, I think, to real life from such an awful place. 
So until we speak again next week, thanks again for listening. Head to UKTrueCrime.com for your tickets for the live show. Remember, it's your round. Grab your deals at Skillshare and get a towel and get in the car heading northwest towards Manchester to start the new year of a real bang. On that bombshell, I'll speak with you again next week. Cheerio. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.